Good, good, good. If you have your Bible, go to Colossians. Uh, Colossians chapter uh, 3, or 2. 3 is good too, but... <laughs> Colossians chapter 2. I started a new series a few weeks ago called The Perfect Life. Anybody interested in The Perfect Life? Yeah. <laughs> Let's read our text once again. Colossians 2, beginning in uh, verse 8. It reads, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In, in other words, what Christ has given us, you can be cheated out of. It can be taken away, or you can be, uh, not by God, but by people tricking you, and by uh, giving wrong narrative and beliefs. So we've got to keep an eye on this. Any of us can be cheated, according to this verse. Verse, verse 9, for in him that's Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So Jesus then uh, is our completion. When we're in Christ, we have all that we, all that he purchased for us, all that we need. All that was lacking has been supplied. Uh, you say, well, who, who does that apply to? Again, notice you are complete in him. So if anyone lacks completion, what, what's your next necessary position? It's simply to be in him. All right. In other words, my completion does not take place after I attend a few classes or all the classes. After I memorize scripture, after I am faithful to church for a season, well, then I'll be complete. No, this completion happens when you're in Christ. In other words, that, that very moment, the very moment of the new birth, you become, uh, you, you uh, are on the same plane, the same uh, place as people who've been walking with God for 50 years. All right. I don't mean there aren't other components to, to a walk with God, a relationship with God. We want to learn and grow and develop and, and so forth. But I'm saying we are complete from day one. It's kind of like when, the, when a baby is born, uh, the baby um, has all of its fingers and all of its, you know, ideally, right? <laughs> All, you know, arms and eyes and ears. And, you know, the baby doesn't come out with one ear and then at three years old grows another ear. Yeah, right. right? Gets, the baby comes out with all the parts. Yeah. And uh, likewise, when you're in Christ, when you're saved, you get everything from day one. Hallelujah. And so we don't have to look forward to completion. I'm hoping to be complete in him after I learn a little bit more. No, our learning is tied to what we become instantaneously. I'm learning what happened, not I'm learning so that I can obtain or get it. No, it was all given as a gift. I'm complete in him. Now, let me remind you of the words uh, for the third time now, the, the words uh, complete and perfect Complete from the Greek means to make full, to fill, to fill up, to fill to the full, to cause to abound, to furnish or supply liberally, to perfect, consummate, 
Okay? And so when we says we are complete in him, that's the picture we should get. I'm completely filled up. There's nothing lacking any longer. There's nothing missing. I'm fully supplied. And even, even the word perfect is used. Perfect or perfect. All right? That word then, you, you, you look up the word perfect, the English word means having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics as good as it, pos- as it is possible to be. Now, that's quite a statement. When, you, when we say, uh, here's how to have the perfect life, what do you mean? You mean that kind of like in a figurative way, right? Kind of not like, like perfect, perfect. No, I mean like perfect, perfect. I mean it in the full sense of the word. That's where I'm coming from, and I'm getting it from this scripture, is that we have all the desirable elements. Life is as good as it is possible to be. Perfect. Yeah. Say, well, I hope I can get there. No, no, no. This is not about hoping we get there. This is about learning and finding out what happened to us when we got in Christ. From that very instant, this is the language of heaven. I've given you everything. I've filled you to the full. I've given it all to you. You are right now, this very moment, perfect in him. Hallelujah. Now, if our brain struggles to embrace that, that's why we're teaching, to get us caught up to reality, okay? The, the word perfect, as in a, when a word is said to be of perfect tense, it denotes a completed action or a state of habitual action that began in the past. So we're not trying to obtain it. We're not trying to arrive at this state. We're saying God already made it thus and so. And I am going to live in that place and from that place. I'm going to connect and relate to God because of that reality, not trying to obtain that reality. Not, Lord, I'm trying to be better. No, Lord, you made me better. I accept what you said I am. Okay? Now, as simple as this might sound, you know, in concept and intellectually, we can embrace the idea, but I tell you, the body of Christ at large is in a great deficit concerning this revelation. You see it in our songs, you see it in, in, in the way preaching comes out, and you see it in the way people think, because thinking is exposed, just like poor grammar is exposed. Uh, thinking is exposed on social media. That's, it's an advantage there's a lot of disadvantages, but preachers find out where people, how they really think. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, pastors find out when people are having marriage trouble. Because out of the blue, some guy says, my wife is the greatest thing ever. I just don't deserve her. She's just so wonderful. I go, oh, I wonder what's going on in your home. Because that's not the normal way you talk. And you decided to go public with your marital problems, huh? Ah. You know, like Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If he lived today, he might have added, or fingers type. (laughs) It's happening. It's coming out. So anyway, word to the wise. Uh, But also, uh, you know, again, we find out how people think because of quotations that they they put. For, For example, I found this out recently. 
I saw, saw someone write this. And sometimes it just, things just tweak me wrong a little bit. I saw someone, they posted, uh, uh, sometimes, something like this. Sometimes we just need to learn to trust God's plan. And of course, people are like, amen, thumbs up, love it, wonderful. I'm like, something's wrong with that. And I had to think about it. It's like, something's off with that statement. thought, hmm, I see what they're doing. They're interpreting what's happening to them as being God's plan and learning to embrace it. Instead of recognizing some of what's happening is God's plan and some of it's the devil's plan, learning to discern the difference and resist one and yield to the other. Because the word of God doesn't say you need to trust God's plan. You need to trust God's word. I need to believe what God has said. I need to trust God, not assume that everything's happening is his plan because much of what's happening on the earth is distinctly not his plan. Hallelujah. You see, what, you see that? And you see how, how we think now? And you, you analyze statements like that. And they're very subtle. They get in our songs. They get in all kinds of things where uh, all this, well, if I can just say it this way, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's, it's, it's called Calvinism. It's this God controls everything. And you have no choice in the matter. And it sneaks into people's theology and it'll mess up your prayer life because your faith will become irrelevant if everything is controlled by God. Are you guys pulling this from me or am I supposed to get back to my message? Because <laughs> that's not the intention here to go that route. But, but, but I would just, let me just say this and then I'll move on and encourage you, do not interpret everything that happens as being the will of God. Jesus said, pray that his will would be done. He wouldn't say that Matthew chapter 6, you look it up for yourself. He wouldn't say that if God's will was automatically being done. He didn't say, just trust my plan. No, he said, pray that things would change. Pray that God would get involved and alter circumstances. Amen, amen. Okay, back to our message now. There's a contrast uh, it's re- that's real important for us to see. The contrast is is between what we were versus what we are in Christ. I, I, I hope to draw a clear line. I hope that, that in our, our understanding there's a clear distinction between what we were and what we are in Christ. Not a blurry line. Not, well, I know I have this now, but I've always been that way. Okay, uh, Remember 1 John uh, 3, 2 reads, Beloved, now we are children of God. Okay? Now we are. In other words, we didn't used to be. We didn't used to be children of God. Now we are. Okay? See, that flies in the face of a common statement that says, We're all God's children. That is biblically not correct. Now we are children, meaning I wasn't, but now I is. All right? (laughs) I wasn't God's child, but now I have become a child of God. Okay? Why do I need to, uh, to, to recognize that? This clear distinction, it not only helps me to appreciate what the Lord has done for me, it, it helps me to make what Jesus did for me and my position in Christ effectual. I don't want to water it down. I don't want to minimize or nullify it in, in any way. 
but this is, was a really big deal. I was out of Christ, and now I'm in Christ. Oh, okay. Again, if someone thinks, well, I've, I've always walked with the Lord. No, you haven't. Even if you got saved as a child, you still needed to be saved. In other words, even if, you got, even if you came to the Lord as a very young person, you might not have a long life of crime that preceded your salvation. You might not have a long memory of, of being wicked or evil or something like that. But think about it. You had to have come to the, to the conclusion that I need a Savior. Otherwise, why would you ask the Lord into your life? Why would you make Him Lord of your life if you didn't need a Savior? You didn't recognize that. That's why, uh, see, this is not popular today, but people don't like to be called sinners or guilty or, uh, or, you know, there's something wrong because everyone wants to be accepted the way they are. Well, some of the way we is is not good, <laughs> right? See, I need to know that about me, that before Christ, I was really a mess, not just figuratively a mess. Even if I was a child, I came to a point, I said, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. I, I'm, I'm apart from God, I need the Lord in my life. Think about it, if you don't recognize that, maybe you, you come to church today and you, you think, my life is pretty good. I don't know if I really even need what they're talking about. Well, then you're not going to receive it. Now, it's kind of an interesting, you know, catch-22 here. What do I do? I don't want this to be a place of condemnation. I don't want to be a place, this to be a place of guilt. But if someone thinks they're fine without the Lord... I want to knock you in the head and say, you're a rascal. <laughs> you are a sinner. You, you need to recognize you have sinned against a holy God. I don't want to minister condemnation, but I need you to know that you need the Savior. You know, does that make sense? Because if you don't know that you need the Savior, you're not going to call on the Savior. You're not going to be saved. But if I think I'm fine, kind of like if, if, if I'm standing in two feet of water, and you come up to me and grab me and grab my arm and yank me out of the water and pull me up on the shore. And you say, whew, whew, I saved you. <laughs> I'm going to say, no, you didn't. <laughs> it, it was two feet deep. I was not in danger. You didn't save me. Stop being, you're not my savior. I, I didn't need saved. I was fine. I was so, you know, but if. I'm in 20 feet of water and gasping for air and I'm going under and you jumped in or threw me a rope or something and pulled me in and got me out. I'm going to say, you saved me because I really was in trouble. And I recognize that. And I need to recognize that truth regarding sin and my separation from God. I really did need saved. And I, and just my experience, okay, and I never went to jail, and I never, you know, killed anyone, or I never took drugs. I, I, I never did all that stuff. I needed saved. I really was underwater. I wasn't mostly saved already or like really good person. And I, I guess I'll accept you, Jesus. I mean, I don't really need you, but because I'm pretty good already. See, everybody with me now? You understand the... the I need to have a clear line in knowing how I was opposite of God. It took, it took God thousands of years to set this up, okay, to where you could take someone who was defined by God as a child of wrath, by the way, everybody, that's Ephesians chapter 2, and turn them into a child of God. That is a major accomplishment. Child of wrath, person who's full of darkness, 
and turn them, in, turn them into a child of Almighty God, the holy, righteous God. Yeah? To make them an heir of, a joint heir of God with Christ. And, and so he did that. It took the incarnation where God became flesh and dwelt among us. It took extreme suffering from Jesus to accomplish what sometimes I think we're a little too ho-hum about. And we need to see the serious nature of what took place. Sometimes when I see a person, and this may be some of you, and I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for you, but I see people who have come out of a really blatant, horrible, sinful life, and they get saved, and you can see salvation in their emotion, in their face. They worship God because they really know. They're so aware. They worship God like nobody's business. I was on my way to a devil's hell, and the Lord saved me and gave me a new life and turned me around. And they're so conscious of it, it's like their worship is so much better than others. And I look at that, and I think, you know what? You're more aware of it, but the same thing is true for all of us. I wish we could all see it to that level, you know, and feel it that deeply. How many know our worship would not just be, praise the Lord, <laughs> praise God, right? It would be, you know, we would be, we wouldn't contain our expression. And so these things, we want to be real for us to recognize that we were without, we were incomplete, and now we are complete in Him. When I recognize my deficit, I also am now ready to recognize my fullness. It's possible for people to recognize their deficit, but then still land over here where they think, yeah, I'm saved, but I'm still a bad person, I'm still a rascal, I'm still, all these things are bad about me, and, and that's not true either. Listen, I was deep in the water, and now I'm fully out of the water, completely dry, wearing shoes, you know? Salvation, you're, you're, not, you're not just one foot in the water still. No, I'm in Christ. What does that mean? Complete, perfect, filled to the full, and completely out of that. I'm not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. No, I've been born again, made the righteousness of God in Christ, complete in him. God's work in me in Christ is finished. It is complete. And so this revelation will change the way I relate to him, change the way I think and sing and, and, and pray and deal with the challenges of life. I come at it from a completed place. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I'm happier about this than some of you. <laughs> but I'll give you time to catch up. Uh, let's go over to the book of Ephesians. If you're in Colossians, you're close. Ephesians chapter 1. And these aren't going up on the screen, these verses, because I want you to work. So I don't want to work. I came just to listen. You'll get more out of it if you take the, take the effort to look at these things. Ephesians chapter 1. Notice with me, I want to read several verses, but select verses from this chapter. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. It reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I want you to notice the tense of these, these words used. Uh, go back. 
who has blessed us. Is that the same as who is going to bless us? No, it's very purposeful. This is very real. This revelation is necessary. I am not seeking God to bless me. I am to acknowledge that he has blessed me. Well, yeah, he's blessed us in some ways, but not like with everything. Wait, wait, wait a minute. But he goes on to say, with every spiritual blessing, not some spiritual blessings, every, he has given us every. That sounds a whole lot like, and you are complete in him. You've been filled to the full. There's nothing left undone. There's nothing lacking, nothing missing. We have been, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. There are no spiritual blessings with which the child of God has not been blessed with or given. Everybody say it out loud. Say, I have, I have all the blessings. All the they are mine. They are I'm not going to get them. I already have them. Amen. I know sometimes there's a temptation to say, well, that's spiritual. And, that, and they, what they, they mean by that is that does, that's not real. That's not real life. That's just a spiritual blessing. And so it doesn't really matter. All the blessings of God are spiritual. Just like the curse is spiritual. Why are people in poverty? It's spiritual. Why are people perpetually sick? It's spiritual. See, physical realities are tied to spiritual cause, either blessing or curse. My physical re existence and living a blessed life is tied to every spiritual blessing. That's why I need to stop pursuing it and acknowledge that I've already been given this in Christ. Then they start to manifest outwardly, okay? So... Uh, we were greatly lacking. Okay, think again. Lost, found, lost, saved. I was not blessed with every blessing. Now I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now I've got them all. Say it again. I have, I have every, every spiritual, blessing. spiritual blessing. So not trying to get it. God has already done it. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace by which... He made us accepted in the beloved. So look, notice what he did. The beloved is Jesus. Okay, that's complete in him. Uh, beloved is Jesus. He made us accepted. Not he's working on us to be accepted. Not he's going to accept us. In Christ, he made us accepted. So again, Contrast, if this is in Christ, if this was tied to Jesus on the cross, his death and resurrection, before him, what was I? Unaccepted. What am I in Christ? Accepted. I was unacceptable. Say, well, the Lord accepts everyone. Well, no, he doesn't. He loves everyone. That's why he sent Jesus to fix us. So we could be made acceptable. We're, we were rejected and unaccepted. We were in an unacceptable condition. But by whose standards? God's holy standard of righteousness and purity and love and, and, and all that he is. We didn't measure up. Okay? Say, well, that's not good news. 
Well, it's important to acknowledge that we needed saved. Again, I was deep underwater, striving for a breath of air. I was unacceptable, but then he made me acceptable. So if you're in Christ today, don't try to get God to accept you. Don't try to get him to like you. Don't try to get him to love you. Don't try to get him to, to have favor upon you or, or embrace you or bless you. No, go to him and say, Father, I'm going to honor you by believing that what Jesus did worked. And in him, I'm acceptable to you. Yeah. Yeah. You mean just the way I am? Yes, because you're perfect in Christ. I'm not talking about behavior. You understand that? I don't know anyone's behavior that's perfect, but that's not what I'm living out of. That's not what my relationship comes out of. That's not who, who I really am. It's not who you really are. If you receive the Lord, he worked. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? So again, remember, we weren't, but now we are. Verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We're, we're going to get redemption. We're hoping for it. No, no. In him, we have. I have it. If I'm in Christ, I have this. I have redemption. I have been redeemed. I have been purchased. I have been uh, uh, I'm purchased by him, so I'm owned by him. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So I'm not seeking forgiveness. I have forgiveness. I'm not coming up to the Lord as a dirty old rascal, full of sin. Oh, I'm coming up to the Lord and saying, thank you. I have redemption through your blood, the forgiveness of sins. Come on now. This is, this is the right way to approach God. He's not offended by it. He's honored by it. Because what we're doing is we're honoring Jesus every time we mention these words. Every time we say, we're saying it, we're saying Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient. His death was, was enough to qualify me, to put me in your graces, to put me in your favor. And now I have redemption through your blood. Amen. There's no need, there's no room for boasting, but there's plenty of room for gratitude to say thank you now and forever. Verse 8 which he made, again, past tense. So we have redemption. He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. So this is also then a revelation that has been made known to us. It was a secret. We were, we were unaware of this. But now in Christ, we see, okay, if I'm in him, wow, I'm complete. If I'm in him, I have the blessing. I have the redemption. I've been accepted. In him, I've got all these things that I want, the things that I need, the things that I thought I was supposed to pursue and go after. Wait, I already have this. Glory to God. And so it changes how we think. It changes our prayers drastically. It changes our, our, our worship from being all future tense. Now, we can sing about heaven and these kind of things in the future, but uh, I'm not singing about my redemption as a future, about my healing as a future, about the blessing of God as a future. I'm singing about it as a past event that is continuing up until this day. 
It's something we already have. Verse 11, in him, getting used to that language, in him, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So again, the, the emphasis here is what we have already received. And, and he adds that we have this inheritance. And that's basically everything that belongs to Christ. We're joint heirs with him. Those things belong to us. His victory is our victory. Amen. And so we have an inheritance in Christ. My question for you today is, are you trying to get something from God or do you already have it? Say, well, if I had it, I would see it. If I had it, I, I would feel it. If I had it, it would be in my bank account. Or it would be in, see, you're living according to sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Right? So what do we say? I say, it doesn't matter what I feel. doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm going to agree with God and believe God. That's how you get things that are invisible to become visible. That's how you get the spiritual blessings of God to manifest in the physical world. You, say, you don't say, I'm trying to get it, trying to get it. God, I'm waiting on you. If you would only do this. We say, Lord, you've already done this in Christ. And I see that I have it again, again and again and again. You've made me. I have this. You've given this. It's already finished. So I'm just going to give you thanks that I've already got it. This is the perfect life. In other words, we're saying it's a completed life. We're saying God is not holding out on us. He's not keeping his good things back from us. He has given us Jesus. And he, if, you, if he'll give you Jesus, come on, you know he's not holding back on you in any way. So I don't want to think about my provision that God's keeping it away or my healing that God's holding it back. Or I don't want to think about even things like revival that God is holding back. Well, if there's anything that God hasn't done, and I understand there are moves of the Spirit that will take place future, nevertheless, they're all based on what Jesus already did. And so I don't have to wait for a revival for my personal life to be freed from some kind of bondage or curse. I don't have to wait for some special move of the Spirit. I don't have to sit in church today, listen, I don't have to sit in church and say, I hope the pastor calls out my condition and I'll be healed. Because there's no guarantee that that's going to happen, by the way. Otherwise, I would, if I could do that, I'd call out everybody. You got this, you got this, you got this. Healed, 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 healed. And we just go down the road and knock everything. Those things are not um, the method unto everybody getting it. This is the method. Like I've said before, those things are like the sample booths at Costco. Right? You go up and get some. What? But, but you can't have the whole tray. I mean, maybe someone tries that, but uh, if you go up there and just... Now I'm ready for lunch. They're going to say, no, 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 no. That's a sample. You go buy the box. You go buy the, the bulk of that and eat for a month, right? Uh, that's how that works. And, and sometimes with gifts of the Spirit, they're often that way. Healing here, healing here. But it's just a couple things. It's so we all go to this. See, you're saying we have to buy the box. I'm saying Jesus already bought the box. He wants you to go over there and open it up. 
and take out what you need. Have your fill. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, you don't need to turn there. Verse 29, here's another example. For whom he foreknew, foreknew he also predestined. See, there's things that he, he's already done. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And, and so often we see these things as something to obtain. Something I need to get. Something I'm wanting God to do. When we read God's perspective, he says, I've already done that one, I've done that one, I've done that, and I've already glorified you too. <laughs> Whoa, I don't feel glorified, but believe that you are. Embrace the reality, say it out loud, and, and, and thank God regularly that you are, that you have, that he's already done it, and just say, I am in Christ. Man, what else do I need? It's like everything is here. It's like the abundance of God's blessing and all that I desire is, has already been found in Christ. As we believe now and act in faith, these spiritual blessings become physical realities. Everybody got that? Yeah. I'll say it again. As we believe, as we act in faith, these spiritual blessings become physical realities. So here's another question for you then. Do you see yourself as a complete Christian or more like a sinner trying real hard to live right? What's your mental image of yourself? I am complete in Christ and all that comes with that or I'm a struggling person just doing my best, trying to live right, trying not to fall again. It is that, uh, it is owning the right position in Christ that empowers us to live a certain way. If I see myself, I'm just a struggling Christian. It's almost like we're saying I'm, I'm partially saved. I mean, sometimes we define our friends that way, but <laughs> it's really not theologically correct. Like, is that person saved? Kind of. <laughs> Theologically, you're not kind of saved. You're either in Christ or you're not. Even if you're messing up. Even if you've got a lot of problems. You're either in Christ or you're not. And if you've received the Lord, you're in. So it's time to start saying with your mouth, I'm complete in Him. I'm blessed in Christ. I have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. I'm accepted in the Beloved. He has revealed this mystery to me. I'm a joint heir of God with Christ. Amen. I have all that He has given me. It's my present tense possession. When we start thinking this way and seeing ourselves this way, I mean, you know, that totally changes your relationship with God. You're no longer kind of a little bit irked at Him for holding out on you. Like, Lord, I'd be free from this if you just do this. Or at least have someone call me out. Or instead we say, thank you, Lord. Whether anything special happens or not, whether anything spectacular happens or not, I believe your promise. I believe your word. I believe what Jesus did for me. And when I accepted him, I got the fullness of all that you provided for me in this redemptive work. This is a mentality that we need. Are we desperate people? Are we in constant need? Should we be crying out for help? Or should we, be in, or should we start acknowledging 
that it's already done. Hallelujah. Everybody say it out loud. Say, I acknowledge. It's already done. I'm complete in him. Amen. Think this way. Think this way. And I'm, I'm trying to finish. I realize I pre- preached all my time up already. God is already here. You are already saved. Healing is complete. Victory is ours today. Satan is defeated. Deliverance has already happened. Now we are the children of God. Faith is now. The kingdom has already come. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever been to a buffet? Is anybody thankful for a buffet? All right. Wow. The quiet people sure just came out of their shell. (laughs) The buffet. You go through the front door. You go up to the line or the register or the the place where you pay, because how many know you pay first? Right? Right? You pay first, and then once you're past that that point. It's all yours. (laughs) You just bought the whole restaurant. (laughs) You think, man, that was kind of expensive. Then you look around and you you look around and you say, oh no, that was a deal. I can stay in here from lunch to dinner. (laughs) I bought the whole place. Yeah? And I have access to everything in that restaurant. Yeah. Can you see any parallels? Yeah. All the blessings of God. All the things that we need in this life. Not just in heaven, but in this life. All the things that we need. They're in the room. What's that room called? Christ. In Him. One payment gets you in. Say, yeah, that's my problem. I just haven't paid the price. You don't have to pay the price. You can't get in. You're going to walk up to the cash register and get out your wallet, and they're going to say, oh, go ahead and go on in. Somebody already paid for you. And you're going to go, really? I get all of this for free? Yeah, but you have to step in. You can't get it from out there. No one can throw you biscuits and stuff. You don't get it. If you, if you come in, as soon as you step over, you get all of it. Wow. And I tell you, the Lord did this for us in Christ. He shed his blood. He paid the price. And now we are in Christ. And it's not like you get access to the salad bar and you get access to the the dessert bar. You get access to the pasta bar. And no, no, this is not some of us get a few blessings and others get other blessings. This is every one of us gets everything. And the Lord is not offended if you go back for seconds and thirds. (laughs) Excuse me, sir. You had two desserts. If you, uh, we're talking in life now, the Lord is pleased if you go back for more. You need, you need something extra? Yeah, I got a lot of problems. Come on in. Get another plate. 
I've got problems in my body. Get yourself a plate and come up to the healing bar. I got problems in my emotions. Come up, get, get your plate. Come get your deliverance. Come get your freedom. Well, I've got, I've got financial trouble. Pull up to the money bar. <laughs> he is the supplier of all our needs in Christ. Amen. Right? And pull up. The Lord's not, not disappointed with you. He's thrilled that you have come from the outside and came into the inside. He did all this work, not so that we can stand back and say, oh, Lord, I wish you'd give me one of those. Wish you'd give me one of those. Come on in and fill up your tray with all the things that Jesus provided, all the things that he suffered so greatly so we could receive. Amen. We are not the cursed. We are the blessed of the Lord. Amen. What are we waiting for? Let's rise up and act. Father, thank you for what you're doing in here right now. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, Congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.